0: I hope you guys are doing well. Um, we're in our series through the book of Psalms. So our passage for our series is this passage here in Hebrews 2. Right? The writer of Hebrews says this in verse 17. He says, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers, us, in every way. Everybody say, every way. He's made like us in every way. Why? So that in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he went through trials and temptations. He's able to help those who are going through the same thing. Aren't you grateful that Jesus understands you? Yes? Amen? And maybe you don't know that tonight. Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're new here and you don't know that. And maybe you've never been told it. Listen, you need to understand that Jesus understands you. He understands the way you're wired. He understands the way you think. He understands the way you feel. The Bible says that Jesus had to be made like us in what? Every way. Every way. Right? So he's not unfamiliar. And why did he do it? So he could become merciful. So he could understand that we, of all things, needed someone who would be merciful to us. I don't know what, about you, but when you go to talking to somebody and they struggle with understanding who you are, struggle with understanding how you feel, struggle with understanding how you think, isn't it frustrating? Yes. Right? It's frustrating. Right, Especially if that person tells you that they love you and they care about you, and then you're trying to explain to them how you feel, and they look at you like you have three heads, right? It's incredibly frustrating, right? Jesus was made like us in every way so he could become merciful and faithful. And in that mercy, he was willing to make atonement for us, Right? Listen, it is at the heart of the gospel. That's what this is about. That's why Jesus is the answer for all of us because he understands us, right? For so long, God's been presented as someone, right, through Jesus that, that may not be as comfortable with you, right, as you would like him to be because the church who represents Jesus isn't comfortable with you at all, right? We struggle with how you are and how you think and what you what you do and how you act. We struggle with that, right? We're almost condemning about some of those things. And so people refuse to be real with him and therefore they miss out. Listen, you miss out on the best part of Jesus. He gets you. He understands you. And so that's why we're walking through the book of Psalms because in Psalms, we hear Korah, right? We hear the choir master. We hear David and we hear them just being human. Right? We hear them being human in their expression of songs and poetry, right? And what they write and how they say it. These aren't, listen, if you're God and you're trying to prove to people everything's perfect, you don't include this, right? You don't include the words of these people that voice all of these emotions that People like you and me have as we walk in this already, but not yet. We've talked about loneliness. We've talked about fear. And tonight we're going to talk about being thankful. How many of you online in here have ever worked in a restaurant? Oh, lots of you, right? Gratitude isn't something you often see in a restaurant, right? It's just not. I did restaurant work for many, many years. I was a restaurant manager uh, for many years. And I, I went to work for my wife's mother, she owned a little choke and puke diner. Everybody know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Greasy spoon. You use the language, right? But you know what I'm talking about, right? They served breakfast. They were open at lunch, right? It was a diner, right? And so I was in the back, right? Running the restaurant, running the grill. And one of the servers came back and she was frustrated because there was a customer that would come in and she asked, so he had had his meal. She asked him how it was. He said, it was good. He goes, but I'd like more bread. And we served two pieces of bread with the meal. And I said, okay, well, tomorrow serving four. So sure enough, he came in the next day. She served him his meal with four slices of bread. He still wasn't happy. So the third day I said, well, just serve him eight pieces of bread. So he came in, he had his meal. She served him. He said it was good, but there still wasn't enough bread. She came back incredibly frustrated. I said, I know what we'll do. So he came in the next day. I took a big loaf of bread, a huge loaf of homemade bread. I cut it in two and I gave it to her. And I said, serve him the whole loaf. She came back in incredulous. She said, you're never going to believe this. She said, but I asked him how his meal was. And he said, good as always. But I see you're back to serving two slices of bread. (laughs) Right? Ungrateful, right? Just being ungrateful. Ungrateful. Right? For things. So we're going to talk about gratitude tonight. Right? We're going to talk about gratitude. I'd like to tell you that I planned to speak on gratitude because Thanksgiving was coming. But I made this series up. Didn't even look at the calendar. It just worked out that way. Right? So uh, we're going to talk about gratitude tonight. We're going to do it in two ways. Here's the first one. Connection between favor and being thankful. How many of you have ever had kids that you would consider to be ungrateful? How many of you were ever Ungrateful. Right? Right? Listen, the reason why we want our kids to be favored, be thankful, is because of this connection right here. Right? Because of this connection right here. So I'm going to give you two words. Right? In Hebrew, there's a word. Right? It's called yada. Everybody say yada. Right? Yada or yada. Right? It's probably yada, but I say yada because I like yada, yada, yada. Right? But yada is the Hebrew word for thanks. And what it means is there's something in your hand. And out of that thing in your hand, you throw that or cast that to God, right? You give him what's in your hand, right? That's yada. In Greek, it's eucharisteo, right? Which means this. The Greek word for that is the word charis, which we get our word favor or grace, for by grace you've been saved, same word. So here's the idea of being thankful biblically, right? If you read the definition from, from Webster's dictionary and other dictionaries, you'll find that thankful in our dictionaries means how we feel. Biblically, that's not true. Biblically, thankful is an action that expresses to God, right? Because my hand has been given, my hand that's full has been given God's favor, and out of that favor, I will say to God, thank you. It's an expression of receiving God's favor. And over and over in scripture, this is the constant theme, right? Let's just read some verses. Psalm 9-1. I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. Let's come before him with what? Thanksgiving, yada, and extol him with music and song. Why? For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods, right? Psalm 118 verse one, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good and his love endures forever. Gratitude, thankfulness, and the connection with God's favor, right? How about Psalm 136 verse one, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and the, his love endures forever, right? How about some New Testament verses? right? New Testament verses, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, what? With thanksgiving, right? Present your request to God, right? And then he says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2 says this. So then listen to this, everybody read this with me. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, does anybody think that's God's favor? Yes or no? Right? He says, so just as you receive God's favor in the form of Jesus, continue to live in Him. How? Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Right? At the end of the day, scripture connects these pieces. Your response to God's favor should be two words. Say it with me. Thank. Say it with me. Thank you. Thankful is not two words, okay? <laughs> Thank you stewards. Let's say it again, right? Thank you. That's what he says. As you've received God's greatest gift of favor, which is Jesus, right? If you're in here and you've been saved by grace, say amen, right? Listen, God's favor is that he saves you through giving you Jesus. The Bible says that once we are being rooted and built up, we should overflow with what? Thankfulness. Listen, if you're a Christian and you're the recipient of God's favor, you should be what? You should be thankful, right? We should be thankful. It should just be part of our walk, part of our expression, Right? Colossians 4.2 says this. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and what? Being thankful. Right? This just so many people at a basic level. Right? For so many people watching online and in here who know Jesus, listen, this is just a course correction. Because we are the recipients of God's charis. Right? Of his abundant grace. We didn't deserve it, but we were given it. And he says our response to that should be thankful, thankful. And yet you know and I know people who allow other things to get in the way and rob us of being thankful. Let me show you an example of what Jesus taught about how closely connected gratitude and salvation are. Luke 17, Jesus talks about ten lepers. He says on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. Should have never happened. They should have never approached Jesus, right? They were outcasts. They were required by law to be 60 feet away. If the wind blew, they were required to be 600 feet away, right? They should never have approached him, but they did. They approached him, right? They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have mercy on us, right? When he saw them, he said, Didn't ask any questions. He just said, go show yourselves to the priest. Because that's where they approved were approved for being healed. Right? And then they had to go through the purification ritual. Right? As they went, as they went, they were what? They were cleansed. When they acted in obedience to the direction, they were cleansed. One of them. Everybody say one of them. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back and he praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and what? Thanked him. He responded to the grace. That word right there, thanked, is the word charis, right? It means God's favor. Out of God's favor, this man responded and he was a Samaritan. Supposing the other nine were Jews. Jesus asked, were not all ten of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. Listen to what he said. Then he said to him, rise and go. Say it with me. Your faith has made you well. Sozo in the Greek. Your faith has saved you, rescued you, restored you. There's an unbelievable connection in that story between gratitude and people who understand the favor that God has given them. Nine people received God's favor and didn't bother to say thank you. They didn't bother to even acknowledge that their hand had been filled with God's grace and didn't even acknowledge it. One of them, only one of them recognized God's favor and understood that the proper response in that, in that space was to go back and say what? Thank you. Thank you. Right? It's an incredible connection between our faith and how grateful we are. And yet I would, listen, you could take your survey. You don't have to trust me. But you can read a multitude of surveys and you'll find out that gratitude isn't high on the list of descriptions of what people would say about Christian people. It's just not, right? You don't often hear people describe Christians as being they are the most grateful, thankful people out there. Right, And yet, of all the people on the planet, we are the ones who have understood and received God's grace more than anybody. Amen? Because God's grace is expressed greatest in the gift of his son, Jesus. Listen to what happens. Listen to what Paul describes to people who don't do this. Romans 1. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. We see that happening in our world, yes? Right? All the wickedness and all the godlessness that's happening in our world because these people are choosing bad behavior, unrighteous behavior, and to do that, they have to suppress the truth. My dad says, come home at 11, I suppress that truth so I can stay out till midnight. Anybody else? Right? You know how you do it. You know the truth, you ignore it, so that you can do what you want to do. The Bible says, because people are doing that, God's wrath is being poured out on the earth. Listen to what he says. These people have suppressed it. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. How? For since the, say the word with me, creation, right, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the eternal power and His divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what was made so that men and women, mankind is without what? Excuse. There's no way anybody can live in this world that God created and not know God. It's not possible. No person is without excuse when they say, as Megan Rapino said this week, there's no God, right? There's no God, right? For although they knew God, they didn't glorify him. Listen to this. They didn't glorify God as God, say it with me, nor gave thanks to him. This is what happens, right? These people know God. Suppress that truth so they can do what they want to do. And because they did not acknowledge God or give thanks to him for his unbelievable favor of creation. Look what happens to these people. And ask yourself, does this not seem familiar? He says, but their thinking became futile. Their foolish hearts became what? Darkened. Right? All of these things that you're witnessing have been witnessing in the world take place that are now happening in our nation. It's because people's foolish hearts have been darkened. You wonder why these things can happen? Because these hearts are darkened. This is a spiritual situation, right? There's a darkness now that lives in their heart. Look what happens. Although they claim to be wise, they became what? Can anybody testify that's how you feel about some of this stuff? Right? This is how it happens, right? And guess what happens? They exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man. We now worship who? We worship each other. Ergo, check out Hollywood. Ergo, check out why the Kardashians are even remotely popular. Right? Where does this stuff happen? Because we've given up worshiping the immortal God and now we worship That stuff. And it says, and birds and animals and reptiles, right? Watch what else happens. Therefore, because why? They didn't acknowledge God and they didn't give what? Thanks. Their hearts became darkened. They considered themselves wise and yet they're just fools, right? And it says, God gave them over to sinful desires of their hearts to what? Say it with me. Sexual impurity. What else? For the degrading of their bodies with one another. Seem like that's familiar in our nation? Yes or no? Of course it is. Right? They, who? The people that didn't acknowledge God and didn't give thanks, they exchanged the truth of God for a what? A lie. And now they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, who was forever praised. Amen. Check this out. And because of that, God gave them over to now shameful lust, not just sinful lust. Now He's given them shameful lust. Look what happens. Even women exchange natural relations for unnatural ones. He says, in the same way men have abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for what? One another, other men. Men committing indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Listen, we want to talk about homosexuality. There's no other verse you need to read, right? You don't need to talk about anything else except this verse right here, because the Bible makes clear what is natural, what is of God, men having a desire for women and vice versa. What is unnatural, Is women burning in lust for other women and men burning in lust for other men? It's a natural, it's not the way God ordered. And how did we get there? Because they refused to acknowledge God and they didn't give what? They didn't give thanks. So God turns them over and first to sinful desires to do what? Sexual immorality, to do whatever makes me happy right? To live, to live sexually in a way that I'm satisfied. Well, once God sees that, he turns them over to shameful lust. Now shameful lust goes into, ah, I don't want to have a man being attracted to a woman. I want a man attracted to a man. Listen, that is not the way God ordained it. It's not the way God designed it. But can you understand why there are people who don't know Jesus who live in that lifestyle? Say yes. Right? It is easy to understand how they're there. How are we ever going to get them out of that? Well, their heart has got to stop being darkened. And guess what does that? The light of Jesus. Which means the people that are living in that darkness need to see the light of those who are outside of it. We don't have to condemn them. They've already been condemned. Because it isn't God's way. What they need is to be released from that darkness and from that shameful lust. And the only way to be released from that is to know Jesus. Right? But he says, furthermore, so it's not done. These are people that didn't acknowledge God or give thanks. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God and... The thanks that goes with it, he gave them over now to a depraved mind. So sinful lust, shameful lust, and now they've got a depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. They've become filled with, say it with me, every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. You want to explain what's happening in the world? Want to explain what's happening in our nation? Want to explain sex trafficking? Want to explain all the things that are happening? Right, there's your verse. Right. Because when you refuse to acknowledge God and you refuse to give thanks for who he is, here's what happens. You get turned over to sinful lust, shameful lust and depraved mind. Bring that verse back up, David. Right. And here's what happens. You are now filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. Is that not our nation today? Yes or no? Of course it is. Right, And it's what's happening in our churches today. Because church folk who are the recipients of God's greatest grace, his greatest favor, are often people who are not very thankful. We're just not very thankful. Listen, the reality is there's a monumental connection biblically. Biblically. Between receiving God's favor and being grateful. It's over and over again in scripture. You see, you see Jesus teaching on it. You see Paul's teaching on it. Right? And this just goes on. They're full of what? The next verse says they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips. They're slanderers. They're what? God haters, you wonder where that's coming from in our nation? Just read Romans 1. They're insolent, they're arrogant, they're boastful. Describe anybody you see on social media. See anybody there that you recognize from our government. See anybody there you recognize from TV. These people, right, they invent ways of doing evil. Can you testify to that? I mean, listen, some of the stuff we hear, don't you just scratch your head and go, how in the world do they come up with this? They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. He says they're senseless. Faithless, heartless and ruthless. How many times have you watched somebody on news or a social media platform and said to yourself, these people have no common sense? How many? Right? Guess why? Because when they refuse to acknowledge God and give thanks for his incredible favor of creation, life itself, and suppress that truth to behave the way they want to, God simply turns them over. To sinful lust, shameful lust, and depraved mind. And these people become senseless. They have no sense. Man, that's our nation today. And here's the thing. You don't want that to be you. You don't want that to be you because you're sitting here. You're watching there as people who have received God's greatest favor in Jesus Christ. You have been saved by grace. The grace of God has appeared to bring salvation to all men. God's grace is the most important thing we have received. Somebody say amen. We should be what? We should be thankful. Thankful because thankfulness is simply expression. The word "caris," right, also has a word connected to it called Cairo, and it means to be cheerful, to cheer. So how do you express gratitude? Right here, with your mouth. We learn to express gratitude with our mouth, right? And listen, if you've raised a child, how many of you have ever opened a door for somebody and people walked in and they walked right by you and nobody said thank you? Anybody? Aggravating? course it is. And some of you have done this before. They've walked by you and they didn't open. and You're like, thank you. Right? I know you've done that, right? You've done it. And you felt justified in doing it. Did you not? Of course you did. And you want to know why you felt justified? Because of this, there's a connection between being grateful and favor. You know it. That's why we don't want our kids to be ungrateful. Why? Because everything they need for life comes from whom? Comes from us, little G, right? Little G, right? That phone they're using comes from who? Me, right? That food they eat comes from me. Listen, I'll I'll give God credit for giving it to me. They don't need to know that right now, right? We just want them to grow up and be what? We want them to be thankful. It's incredibly irritating when our children refuse to be grateful. And we always tell our kids when they get something for somebody, say what? Say thanks. Why? Because we know the connection between favor and gratitude. Man, listen. If you're a Christian and you receive God's favor, be grateful. Be thankful. Express it. And if you're not a believer in here and you're not a believer online, beware. That not acknowledging God and not giving thanks for his favor of creation and life itself will lead you down this path. You may not understand why the world is the way it is and why your nation is the way it is or why your family is the way it is or why you are the way you are. I can tell you it's two things. You don't acknowledge God and you do not thank him for his unbelievable favor, right? But how many, if I was to ask you in here and online, of those of you that know Jesus and have, ex- and have received God's grace in Jesus. How many of you would say, I am truly thankful for that. Let me hear you say amen. amen. Right? You are. So why is it that Christian people aren't more grateful? And what I mean by that is, why aren't Christian people more expressive in their gratitude? Because if you were to be asked, are you thankful for Jesus? You would say, Yes. We come and we gather, right? We worship. It's a form of gratitude. We pray and we give God thanks, right? We are grateful for Jesus. And yet, one of the most defining characteristics of a lot of Christian people is they're just not very thankful people. Why is that? I think it's because of this one. What does scripture teach? It also teaches a connection between all things. Everybody say all things. And thankful. Now, you're going to have to stick with me here. I got 13 minutes and I'm going to make a deep dive here, okay? Trek with me. Let's let's read the scripture. Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed in us, Paul says. The creation, the creation, everything about God's creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, thank you Adam and Eve, but by the will of the one who subjected it. He did it, why? In hope that creation itself, everything in our world, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and eventually brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Eventually we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Somebody say amen. Right? He says, we know. That the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up until this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves. Now he's making it personal. You and me. We who have the first fruits of the spirit. If you know Jesus and you're the possessor of God's Holy Spirit online and here, say amen. He says, we groan inwardly. Anybody groan because we have to live here through all of this? Anybody have any groanings or any strugglings with it? Somebody say amen. He said, we groan inwardly because we wait for that adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Right? Listen, I love my family. I love, I love being here. I love all of you. I love the Chicago Bears. I love my iced coffees. Right? But I don't know about you, but I'm ready to live in a world where there's no more pain, no more sin, no more mourning, and no more death. Somebody say amen. Right? He says, check this out. For in that we hope. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that's seen isn't hope at all. Right? We don't have it yet, so we hope. Who hopes for what he already has? I'm not hoping for a nice coffee because I already went and got one, right? There's no point in having hope about that, right? But if we hope for what we don't yet have, how do we do it? We wait for it how? Patiently, right? In the same way, he says, the spirit will help us in our what? Our weaknesses, check this out. We don't always know how to pray. Anybody ever struggle with that dilemma? Right. He said, well, he's not a pray, but the spirit himself will intercede for who? Right. Say me. Right. The, inter- the spirit will intercede for you and he'll do it with groans that your words can express. Right. And he who searches our hearts, that's God, because only God knows our heart, knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with what? Man, I don't know about you, but that brings me a ton of comfort. Because there's a lot of things in this world I don't know how to pray for. I'm frustrated beyond measure sometimes. With my family, with myself, right? With other things. And I don't know how to communicate it. But the Holy Spirit that searches my, that God who searches my heart. And the Spirit who knows the mind of God intercedes for me in a way I can't comprehend. And he does it according to God's will, not mine. I don't know about you, but that brings me a ton of comfort. Right? I needed you to get the context, right? Because verse 28 says this, right? Everybody online, everybody here read this with me. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Bring that verse back up, David, right? We know gnosis means that we've experienced it, right? We've experienced this, this thing. It's not just book knowledge. This is experiential knowledge. Paul says, we know that in all things, everybody say all things, right? That word all things in the Greek means each and every. It's the idea that there's a hundred pieces in a puzzle. One at a time, each and every one of them together puts this puzzle together and comes up with a bridge or a beautiful sunset. He says, so I know that in each and every piece, each and everything, God is going to be working for the what? Good. Everybody say good. In the Greek, there are two words for good. One of them is kalos, right? It means to be beautiful. You all look good tonight. Thank you, right? <laughs> Only one person understood my sermon, right? Right? I gave you favor and your response was to stare at me like I had three heads, right? You all look good tonight, right? You all look outwardly beautiful. That's kalos, right? The other Greek word is agathon or agathos. It means to be intrinsically good. How many of you have ever had to take cough medicine that you hate? Anybody get a shot at the doctor that they didn't want to get? Right? Anybody ever had to miss school when you were growing up because your parents said you needed to stay home and rest because you were sick? Four of you. Thank you for coming. Right? Right? We will all agree that there are things, listen, that's the only reason we eat broccoli. Right? It's the only reason that Brussels sprouts even exist. Right? It's because why? Somebody tells us it's intrinsically good. Right? Is it beautifully good? No, it's the most hideous looking vegetable in the world. Why would this thing called a Brussels sprout even begin to be intrinsically good? Because hourly, it's ugly as mud. True, right? And I don't know what cauliflower is, but that's hideous looking. If you had a growth like that on your body, you'd be going to the doctor. It's disgusting. And yet... Here's what they say. It's intrinsically good. So you can all agree that some things that aren't callos, right, aren't beautiful can be good agathon for you. Yes or no? You know that, right? The Bible says this. And we, listen, this is something we have got to begin to understand as Christian people, right? We know that in all things, that means in each and every piece, each and everything. God will be working for the what? Good. That word agathon means to benefit, right? If it's intrinsically good, then it will have benefit for you. God is at work for the benefit, not for the kalos, not for the thing that's beautiful for you. He's not in it to give you everything that's outwardly beautiful. God's in it to give you things that benefit those who love him. If you love Jesus in here tonight, online, in here, let me hear you say amen. God's desire is to work everything. Somebody say all things. That means each and everything in your life. God will be at work to make sure it benefits you. Aren't you grateful to know a God that won't waste anything in your life? Somebody say amen. Because how many of you have been through things in your life that are not outwardly beautiful? You know that, right? But God is going to be at work. He's going to be at work to make sure all those things benefit you. Okay? Now, listen to Philippians 1. Paul says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Listen to this. Paul says, I'm confident of this, that he, that's God, who began a a what? Everybody say good. Good. That's Agathon. Not an outwardly beautiful work, but an inwardly beneficial work. That God who began this beneficial work in you will carry it on to what? Come on, I would say completion. To completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, let me be clear with you. God ain't giving up on you. God's going to work for your benefit until the day that Jesus comes back. Somebody say thank thank you. Is that not amazing? How many people have given up on you in your life? How many people have just said, I'm done with you, I can no longer deal with you, you're no longer worth my time, you're no longer worth my effort, you're no longer worth anything. How many kids do you think are being raised in the world today where their parents have said to them, I have nothing more to do with you, you are worthless, I cannot get anything out of you, you're not intrinsically beautiful, you're not benefiting me at all, and they give up on them. The Bible says God will never do that because he works all things, each and everything, for your benefit. And God will work for that benefit until the day that Jesus comes back. Somebody say thank you. That's a good thing, right? But here's the thing. You and I have to understand God isn't working for outwardly good things for you. He's working for inwardly beneficial things for you. And some of the things that are beneficial for us are not always appealing for us. Yes? Yes? Right. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12.9. This is how serious he says we should take it. Love must be sincere. Everybody read this online and here with me. Hate what is. That word evil means not intrinsically good. He says hate what isn't going to be beneficial to you. But what? Cling to what is beneficial. That word cling comes from the word kalos. Kalos which means glue. You should hold on like grim death to the things in the world that will benefit you. That means whether you like it or not, you should eat broccoli. Right? The Bible says you must hate the things. You must hate the things that won't benefit you. I mean, let's be honest. How many things are we doing right now that as a believer isn't benefiting us? It's not working for our intrinsic good. There is no benefit to some of the habits that we have and some of the choices that we make. And let's be clear, there are relationships that we're in that are not beneficial to us. And he says you should hate those things and you should simply glue yourself to the things that will benefit you. Why? Because God's always going to be at work to benefit you. And he's going to use everything to do it. Each and everything in your life. He will work. Ergo, he will give his time and his energy and his effort to working so that everything works for your good. And he's going to do it until Jesus comes back. I don't know about you, but that is my salvation on this planet. Somebody say amen. I build my entire life on that promise. Because man, I am a work in progress. Why? Because God has not completed this thing in me. He's not completed it in you. He's not completed it in your children. He's not completed it in your spouse. He's not completed it in your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your best friend. God isn't done until Jesus appears. And he's always doing it for our good. Now what's this got to do with being grateful in all things? Let me show you. John sixteen thirty three says this. Jesus says, I told you this things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have come on. Everybody say trouble, trouble. That Greek word there is the idea that something has squeezed you in and is causing you all kinds of pain and all kinds of affliction. It's the idea of actually being in such close proximity to something that it creates friction. Anybody ever feel hard pressed on every side and life is just squeezing you in? Anybody ever feel that way? You ever feel an eternal pain because life circumstances are complicated, right? Jesus said in this world, you will have what? Come on, say it. And here's the thing about trouble. It isn't outwardly beautiful. You go into a divorce. It's not outwardly beautiful. Right? You're losing, you've lost, it. we're just going to ignore that. Right? We're going to be thankful for more time. Okay? Right? I lost my train of thought. Right? Listen, there are troubles in our life that are not outwardly beautiful. Right? Losing a job at 59 or 60. Being diagnosed with cancer. Right? There are a million things in this world that you and I will experience that are not good in the sense that you look at them and go, oh, man, I'm so grateful for that. But... There's nothing in this world that God won't use for your benefit. And he won't stop doing that until Jesus appears. So even in a world where you'll have trouble, God will still work for good. Yes? No matter what. Now listen, let's be clear. That's not easy to accept. I mean, listen, you said it to your kids. Your parents probably said it to you, right? They tried to prepare us for the fact that the world was going to be a hard place. Listen, if you've raised kids and you've raised them into adulthood, one of the things I hope that you've tried to instill upon your children is life's going to be hard. Yes or no? It's going to be hard. Right? One of the greatest disservice parents can do to their children is not prepare them for the fact that the world's going to be a hard place. Because in this world, who? You will have trouble. That means your kids are going to have trouble. Right? They're going to go through difficult times. My daughter right now is a junior at college at USF. Her air conditioning unit went out. Right? It's been out now for seven days in Florida. Right? And there's no end to that in sight. And she is mad texting my phone. She's probably texting it now while I'm preaching. Right? Just furious about the trouble that she's having. Right? Because some things that we go through, whether they're small things or they're huge things, doesn't matter. God's going to work all that for good. He's not going to waste anything. Why? Because God works how many things? Each and everything you go through, God will use it to work for your benefit and he will do it until Jesus comes. And you and I should cling to that like grim death because that's what's good for us. But too many of us want to cling to the things that are outwardly beautiful. We don't want to suffer pain. We don't want to go through heartache. And listen, I hate being asked to preach this stuff because I feel like in preaching with such conviction, God's going to want to test me in this. And the last thing I want is to get a phone call that my 32-year-old son has died in a horrific accident. Or my 11-year-old granddaughter who was dealing with cancer has succumbed to it. I don't want to walk into work one day and find out that I've lost my job at almost 60 years of age. There are things I don't want to experience in this. But the reality is, God says that in how many things? All things. He will work for what? Good. He'll work for my benefit. So here's what the Bible says. James 1 says... Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters. Every what? Good, that's Agathon. Every beneficial and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We say things like this. God is good. And your response should be, all the time. It's such a great church thing, right? God is good. All the time. Right? All the time. But the reality is God's good isn't beauty. God's good is benefit. And God is good. How often? And all the time, God is good. Because God is about benefiting you, not about giving you a pretty life. Because in this world you'll have what? You'll have trouble. So how does that work in connecting favor or connecting thankful? in all things because here's what paul says in first Thessalonians 5:16 be joyful always right pray continually give thanks in what all again the same greek word give thanks in each and every circumstance why for this is what god's will for you in Christ Jesus. Listen, there are things that God does in his sovereign will that you and I have no say in. Somebody say amen. There are things that God does that he's never asked your opinion about and won't ever ask your opinion about it. He's going to do it because it's his will. Somebody say, I understand that. There are things that God asks us to do so that we can be in obedience with God's will. Somebody say amen. One of the things that God asks us to do to be in obedience with God's will is to give what? Thanks. In what? Each and every circumstance. Now listen. That is one of the most annoying verses in scripture. Why? Because some of the things that you're going through right now. Some of the things that you've been going through. Or some of the things you're going to go through. Are going to stink. They're going to stink. They're not going to be beautiful. They're not going to be outwardly appealing. They're not going to make people look at you and go. Oh I want that life. They're not. But the Bible says every beneficial thing and every complete thing is from the Father of lights. It's a relational gift to you. It doesn't come from God. It comes from the Father of lights, meaning it is a relational, it is a relational gift to you because God loves you and His design is for your benefit. So Paul says that you and I should what? Give thanks in what? All things. How many of you online and here are grateful for the gift of Jesus? Say amen. amen. Right? And it's easy to say to God, thank you for that gift. Amen. But how many of us are thankful in all things? The same expression of gratitude for Jesus should be the same expression we give in all things. And the only way you and I can do it is if we understand that God is always at work for our benefit. Meaning that everything we go through, because in this world you'll have troubles. There will be times you're hard pressed on every side. There will be times you're cast down on every side. The Bible says you and I should what? We should give our thanks. We should respond to God's. How in the world is going through cancer? How in the world is losing your job? How in the world is watching your child walk away? How is it? How is it? How is it possible that when your child is an addict or an alcoholic and their life is falling apart, how is it that when you go through these horrible things, are you supposed to give thanks? Because you understand favor, favor should respond to with thankfulness. God's favor is, I'm not going to waste anything you're going through. So no matter what you're going through, I'm going to work it for your benefit so you can still give what? You can still give thanks. Ephesians 5 says, be careful how you live. Don't live as an unwise person, which means don't live like a fool, but live as a wise person. You and I should make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. We just understood what the Lord's will was. The Lord's will was to give thanks in what? All, somebody say all, circumstances right? Don't get drunk on wine because that leads to debauchery. He said, instead, you should be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Everybody say this with me. Always, everybody say always. Always, always includes how much time? Always giving thanks to God for what? Each and everything. Listen. Listen. My friend said, man, that's a really hard teaching. It is because some of the stuff you're going through is not outwardly beautiful. It's ugly. There's ugly crying. There's ugly anger. There's ugly hurt. There's ugly doubt. There's ugly fear that comes with all that stuff, right? And the Bible says that when we receive the favor of God, our response should be to God's gift, his charis, his favor is that we should be thankful And yet scripture tells us that God's favor rests on us in everything because God will take everything and he will work it for our benefit. Meaning we can give thanks to God in all things. Each and everything that we have, we can give thanks to. Listen, I don't think that being thankful is an easy thing to do. Because there's enough pain, there's enough hurt, there's enough sorrow, there's enough tribulation in this world that is incredibly hard to rise above and give thanks. There's only one way to do it, to understand that God's good is your benefit. And God will work everything, everything. Listen, I've lived long enough to know now that God can do that. I'm still scared at times. I'm still a little bit apprehensive. There are things, I mean, I want to say to God, listen, I've experienced enough of that. I've lost a child. I've been through divorce. I've been unemployed. I spent some time in jail. I was on the streets and homeless and living out of my car. I grew up poor. God, I really don't want to experience any more ugly in this world. Right? I don't want to do it. But the Bible says, gratefulness comes when we receive favor. And even in trouble, God gives you his favor because he's going to work all things, all things, all things together for good. And he's going to do it until Jesus returns. So even when your circumstances are hard, even when that each and everything you're going through seems like it's never going to be good, God has not wasted any of it. He's giving you his favor and making sure it's all going to be for your benefit. Isn't that what you want your children to see when you have to go through hard times with them, when you have to discipline them? You want them to see it's for their own benefit, right? That's what God does for us. And what he says is, because of that, you should be joyful always, pray continually, and in everything give thanks. In all circumstances give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close out and read this Psalm together. Psalm 92. Anybody feel challenged to be more grateful? Right? Listen, it's not an easy teaching. It's easy to give God thanks for Jesus. It's not easy to give God thanks for all things. It takes an incredibly mature faith to be able to trust God in all those things. But for some of you online and some of you here, you know the journey. You could tell the story right now of God used all things together for good. You could share that with other people, right? Because that's what God does. Let's read this together as we close. Psalm 92, right? All of you online, everybody here, let's read it together. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High. To proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, O Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. How great are your works, O Lord. How profound your thoughts. Is God worthy of praise? Amen. Amen. And he says he is worthy of gratitude in each and everything. Because nothing you'll go through, nothing you're going through, is he going to waste. Because he's going to do it all for our good. Somebody say amen. Amen. Father, tonight, teach us to be more grateful. And to do that, teach us that the world that we're living in is groaning for redemption. It is broken. And it is waiting for the same thing that we're waiting for. A space and a time where there is no more sin. There is no more pain. There is no more suffering. There is no more death. But until that time, we live in a world where there will be trouble. There will be trouble that we go through. There will be things that are intrinsically or that are outwardly ugly and difficult. But we serve a God and hopefully trust in a God who will work all things. Each and everything we go through for our benefit. So teach us in all things to give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.